Welcome to 100 Stories of Hope, to another episode where we're just unpacking what hope looks like to people. A lot of people speak about hope, particularly in the current climate. But what does it look like? What does it feel like? Um, I'm now joined with Kate Middle- by Kate Middleton from the Mind and Soul Foundation. Kate, how are you? I'm good. Thank you, Anne. It's really lovely to be with you. It's nice to see you and thank you for joining me. Um, so, yeah, what, what does hope mean to you? Well, it's such an interesting topic, isn't it? Now, I'm a psychologist, so I guess my perspective on hope, perhaps unusually, instinctively comes from something that I deal with a lot, which is the opposite of hope, the other side of it. which is when we've lost hope or we're struggling with hopelessness. And, and, and I guess the most extreme expression of that, which is despair, but also mm. disappointment, which is that sense of I had hope, but it's, but it's gone. And it's, it's this quite bleak and difficult space. And I guess a lot of my job as a psychologist is to professionally defy despair and to help people find a way to fight that and, and rediscover hope. Nice. I like that to professionally defy despair. That's 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 a good. I know I'm making myself sound rather more cool than than perhaps the reality, but you know, (laughs) that's brilliant. Um, So, how do you encounter hope? So, I think the way I encounter hope is often journeying with people in this amazing way. You know, I have such a privilege to walk with people alongside often the most difficult moments in their life. And, and seeing them discover a new perspective on hope. You know, we, we often think of hope in quite a passive way. It's just something we have or don't have. Is there hope or isn't there? Often it's, it's sort of down to life circumstances, to luck or even just chance. Some people, you know, are hopeful. Some people have good stuff going on in their life. Some people don't. And, and when life becomes difficult or something you never wanted to be part of your story, when that hits, that's a real challenge. Is that it then? Have we just lost hope? Does, you know, am I one of the unlucky ones? And so I guess I, I spend a lot of time journeying with people to say, what if we saw hope in a more proactive way? What if there's a kind of hope that we can pursue and, and even get better at finding and carrying for ourselves, but also for other people? Because that's so important, particularly in difficult or stormy times in life. You know, I mean, we're recording this just coming, hopefully coming out of a year plus of global pandemic. And that's been a really extreme and unusual example of everybody being thrown into a place where suddenly you think, well, how do I hold hope when life has become really difficult? Yeah. And so what, what story do you have that, that to you epitomizes that journey? Well, <clears throat> I guess my story... And my thoughts on hope come from working with a lot of people who have hit something in life that has really tested their hope, which is long-term or chronic ill health. And that could be mental health, could be physical health. And for various reasons, I've done quite a lot of work supporting people who are in that place. And I guess it's that thing of what do you do then when you face something that's a real challenge to your hope and and where the prognosis isn't great, where the chances are this is going to be a new, you've got to find a new way of doing life. Yeah. And the question then becomes, how do you hold hope in those times? How do you dig deep? And we used to think that when people encountered trauma and difficulties, some people did that in circumstances where they couldn't do anything about it. And what they learned was helplessness. They learned that there's no point trying because you can't overcome it. 
But now generally the positive psychology movement has taught us that actually our default might be to not realize that there's things we can do. As as kids, we're pretty dependent on others we can't control a lot. We are pretty helpless. But as we grow, we learn capability. We we realize that we can have what psychologists call agency. So we can influence, we can change things in the world around us. And and as we grow and particularly as we hit tough times, that offers us the opportunity to dig deep and, and learn how to hold hope. And, and what research shows us more and more is that if, if we've got good support and we're well equipped to do it, tough times do offer us the chance to grow our understanding of how we do that. You know, I'm a, I'm a person of faith and Mind and Souls are a faith foundation uh, organization. And there's this saying from a book written in the New Testament where the writer, who's a guy called Paul, he, he says that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character, interestingly, produces hope. And, and he's dead right. You know, my experience of working with people who've hit long-term illness is that they are often the most inspiring people because they've been forced to persevere under something really difficult. And, yeah. and they've grown a depth of character. And they've learned that even in the midst of difficult stuff, Awful stuff, often huge challenges and massive limitation to what they can and can't do. There's still good things. You know, we, we tend to think so binary. Life is either good or bad. So you either have hope or you don't. But these are people who are like, there's something going on in their life that's really rubbish. But yeah. they've discovered that there's some things that they can do. And, and they celebrate those things. As, so it's like you can hold the two things at the same time, not denying that there's some stuff that's really difficult. It's not about suppressing bad stuff, but it's about saying even in the presence of that, you can still find hope. So celebrating stuff like friendship, finding things that, that, that trigger joy, really, I mean, just the experience and the joy of small things and, and not rushing past them, really. I always talk about squeezing all the juice out of a good moment. It's like when you squeeze an orange, you can so often do it half-heartedly and leave half of the good stuff behind. But it's learning to recognize that something simple like a, a, a really good cup of coffee sat in the sun on the back step, that actually can be a real joy moment. Or it yeah. could just be something we miss. And I've learned so much from those people about how you do that. And, and I guess it is that sort of defiant hope that says this is really difficult, but there's still good things that we can celebrate. Yeah, that's really interesting. So you're talking that so often when we feel that we've lost hope, we feel powerless. Mm. But actually in those moments, we still have the power. We still have the ability to generally help by a good support network, but we still have the ability to look around us, seek out something that can give us hope and carry on. Yeah. And that's interesting that you talk about feeling powerless. As, as psychologists, we know that one of the most powerful triggers for despair, which is actually a recognized phenomenon, it's like a thing that psychologists talk about. But one of the most powerful triggers for that is feeling powerless, feeling like you can't control what's going on. And I think that's why disappointment is so brutal, because it's where you had a hope for something and, and it was stolen from you. And it wasn't your choice and it wasn't what you wanted. You know, so much of the journey, I think, when life does deal you something difficult is, is just that first stage of accepting it because we fight it for so long. It's just like, no, I don't want this to be part of my journey. 
it yeah. was out of my control and I don't want it to have happened. And and that thing of moving from there to integrating it somehow into a story of your life that says this did happen and it's really rubbish, but here's how I found a way to move into the next season. And like you say, here's some things that I found that I can control. There's a lot yeah. that I can't, but here's some things that I can. And And thinking about how to do that and find the joy in those things. That's really interesting. So, so at We Do Stories, our content marketing agency, we ha- always have a culture of celebrating the victories. So whether that's a small contract, whether that's a new client link, whatever it looks like and whatever else is going on around us, we've made a culture of stopping and celebrating because we know that we have to treasure those moments. And I think that's that's what you're saying. This is squeezing the orange, the extra juice yeah, out of those. Yeah, definitely. Like, I love, I love the, sl- the slightly random fact Here's a random fact moment that when we when you hug someone, your brain releases endorphins. They're like your brain's happy hormones. They drop your stress level. They trigger good mood. That they're all good. But to get the proper endorphin rush from a hug, you have to stay in it. Most research suggests for about twenty seconds. Oh wow! And, um, yeah. So next time you have a hug with someone in your household, we are limited to household hugs at the moment. But next time you do that count <laughs> and if, if the next time you do so anyone listening if the next time you hug someone they count you just know they've heard this podcast but actually 20 <laughs> seconds is quite a long time and it's a good reminder of like do we linger on the good stuff because believe me your mind will linger on the bad stuff like you will obsess yeah. you will ruminate you will think loads about the difficult stuff but how what how much would it change our life and our mood and our experience of holding hope if we deliberately lingered on the good stuff. So yeah, count next time you hug. That's my little tip for today. That's brilliant. And that's a fantastic tip of lingering on the good stuff wherever it can be found. Um, Thank you so much for joining me, Kate. That's absolutely brilliant to speak to you. And I know we're going to speak again soon. Thanks, Anne.